Alternative Radio. So that's when I realized that my son had probably the most inaccurate costume that he possibly could. Because we dressed him up as Batman, and then both of his parents took pictures with him. Damn. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, orphans. Welcome to Super Movie Brothers. Let's start the show. Super Movie Bros. I'm your host, Super Movie Brother Dave. I am your host, Super Movie Brother Jay. And I am ecstatic that Halloween is over because my daughter watched The Nightmare Before Christmas over and over again, listened to the soundtrack over and over again, and having this is Halloween, this is Halloween in your head as an earworm is not the way that you want to spend your October 31st. And then I was walking around with her for, for, for Halloween, you know, doing trick-or-treating, and there was a guy literally carrying, like, a, a Bose pill speaker set, and he had it on repeat. And he was just happened to be at every house that we were at. Like, we went to the next house. He followed right behind us, right? Mm-hmm. It grated my nerves so much. I love The Nightmare Before Christmas. I think it's a fantastic movie. I just don't like hearing the song over and over again. And the worst part about all of it is I get three fucking weeks before Christmas season starts <laughs> and that movie gets to replay again and then I have to hear the song again and then I have to hear people singing what's this what's this what's this what is this the sound of my madness don't mind if I do and not even just that you've heard this whole your whole life almost because this movie's been out nearly it's yeah. not like it's a new movie and it's like a new song. You've no. been hearing this for so many years. But there was definitely a period of time where people like like watched that movie and you know it, it was a thing and there was a certain group of people that liked that thing. But guess what? The nineties are back in style. I know. Yeah, and that and that's the thing. Like, like <laughs> it's over all the, coming back over the past like decade, maybe maybe in the past like five years, there's been like this resurgence of things like hocus pocus and I, I know. Like, the, you know, people are talking about. Halloween we're we're going to get a clueless and... re- re- reboot really soon now. Yeah, exactly. Stu- <laughs> stuff. Like that, and and it's just it's just all coming back, and um, you know, especially because we're showing our kids these things, and our kids are carrying it forward to their friends, or to their friends, and their parents are perpetuating, and it's just this endless cycle of of dopamine chasing nostalgia that everybody has, and I'm 100% guilty of it because I'm surrounded by toys from my fucking childhood. So, well, I'm still holding out for uh, uh, Sandy and Keanu to come back for Speed Four. Oh, Sandy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Jay, uh, we have a pretty huge show this week. Uh, so I know last week I've been trying to keep things to like an hour, and then last week we hit like the the, the ninety the ninety minute mark and stuff. Probably going to do that again this week because there are a ton of reviews to come out. Because October 29th was just like, is it a mediocre or mid level movie? then that was the weekend to get it out because all the big stuff is coming up in November and December. Mm. So you got your Last Night at Soho, Last Night in Soho, which you watched. You got your Antlers, which I watched. Uh, We got Army of Thieves, which was on Netflix. And then we also, I think, um, we both watched The French Dispatch. Yep. And so so we got reviews for all of them coming up. And then, of course, we got to do a trailer park. Two of them. One longer, one shorter, uh, both kind of short, I think, because there's not a whole lot to gleam from 
from from the first one and the the from from the second one uh which is book of boba fett and then the first one we're going to do is morbius so some of that's going to be a little bit of a rehash so we could just go through that real quick but mainly jay what we're going to discuss is what universe is morbius in the sony world ish <laughs> the instead of the mar instead of the mcu you know the marvel cinematic universe it's just kind of like the marvel multiverse since we have that thing going on we can always say it takes place somewhere Somewhere, At some point. it's 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 yeah. it's kind of relevant. So we're gonna try to we're gonna try to answer that question. We're gonna try to break it down by uh by going through the the new Morbius trailer that just dropped. So without any further delay, let's get into this week's trailer park. Thomas Iannucci, drop that beat. Cut the beat and let the music play. No trailer park. Shout out to Dave and Jay. I don't serve, but there's a new wave. We've been on since trust God saved the right stop. I don't want to flow until I know that the bass drop. All right. So first up, we're going to be discussing the Morbius trailer that just dropped. Uh, a lot of images that we got from the first trailer, but it seems like they're kind of fleshing out the story a little bit more this time around. You need a doctor? I am a doctor. I should have died years ago. People all over the world have my disease. I'm here. To find a cure, we have to push the boundaries, take the risks. If you're gonna run, do it now. Michael Morbius? You've been missing for two months. When you're a stranger. Then you were found on a container ship that washed up off a of Long Island. Faces look ugly when you're alone. There's something inside of you. Who wants to hunt? And consume blood. Michael. When you're a stranger. And you control it. I don't know. Half the city wants to kill you. We haven't had anything this good since that thing in San Francisco. The other half wants to control you. Hey, uh, Dr. Mike, you and I should stay in touch. So, Michael Morbius, Dr. Michael Morbius, has a rare blood disorder that is causing his muscles to be consumed by his body. Mm -hmm. uh, he's, he's essentially, he's frail, he's dying, uh, and he goes to a strange island or a strange location in a jungle to find a special type of vampire bat uh, while utilizing their blood to cure his disease, he then becomes imbued with the powers of these bats. So, super hearing, uh, flight because his bones are hollow, he's able to fly, I guess. I don't know. Uh, it just looks like he's Nightcrawler to me because it just looks like he's bamfing around. Uh <laughs> It, it just looks so formulaic, and I feel like I've seen this already, yeah. you know, in, in multiple incarnations of similar properties. You yeah, know? So uh, that's that's essentially the, the, the basis of the character. Now, of course, he becomes a vampire, a living vampire, the only Spider-Man villain to carry an oxymoron name, <laughs> the living vampire. Uh, I'm sure there's some obscure Spider-Man villain that someone's going to pull out, and they're going to be like, that's an oxymoron phrase, too. So is Jumbo Shrimp, and so is your mom is sexy. But anyway... <laughs> Because your mom is ugly. 
So therefore, she can't be sexy. Oxymoron phrase. You get where I'm going. <laughs> so uh, Morbius is not alone, though. Apparently, uh, in this film, he will be joined by Matt Smith, who's playing... <sighs> Luxious crown, and apparently he is a he is someone another doctor who suffered from a similar ailment. However, it seems that he has the cure for what Jared Leto's Doctor Michael Morbius is looking for. And then, of course, Tyrese Gibson, the biggest stain on this movie's record, uh, will be joining uh, the cast as Simon Stroud. So, uh, yeah, where like what does this all leave us? Like, what do we see in this trailer? I mean, we kind of we kind of get this. We kind of get him going to the island. He cuts his hand to attract the vampire bats. Not how mm. vampire bats work, by the way. They're not sharks. They don't smell blood in the air. They they usually find cattle that are grazing and then maybe this particular sit bat. down next to them <laughs> and bite them and then they they just lap the blood that pours out and the cows don't really feel it because uh, they uh, they have a spit that kind of numbs the area. So you know. Oh. Yeah, that's how vampire bats work. Not how Michael Morbius is is doing it. Uh, <laughs> I realized that my not got like really loud, like it's a '90s not joke, but it happens. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> uh, so with with that information, the thing I really want to break down about this is how does this tie in to Sony's everything else that they have going on? Because on it's the, not going to until the very end. So wait. Just wait. So on the newspaper, right? We see we see the we see the Daily Bugle uh, headline. We 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 see the letterhead for Daily Bugle. It's we know that Daily Bugle is a newspaper in this universe and not a internet internet website like it is in in MCU Spider Man in in the Far From Home mm-hmm. you know trilogy. So it's it's a different universe there at least. And then we talked about that in Venom where where. Daily Bugle has a letterhead and stuff like that. However, this is a different letterhead. It's not the same letterhead that there was in Venom. However, you could argue that that's the West Coast edition. This is the East Coast edition. Anyway, uh, we also get the Oscorp building off in the background in some of the shots. Now, the Oscorp logo is not the Oscorp logo that was in Raimi Spider-Man. It's not any type. We haven't gotten an Oscorp logo in in the MCU. So what's this Oscorp logo? It is from the Mark Webb. Amazing Spider-Man universe. Ah. And then, of course, we get the poster of Spider-Man with murderers scrawled across it. That Spider-Man in that poster is Tobey Maguire, Raimi Spider-Man. And huh. then we also get uh, a character mentioning uh, that that there was some sort of incident in, in San Francisco, me- meaning, meaning Venom, obviously, uh, the lethal protector. And then on top of all of that, just, j- just to cap it off, if you weren't just confused about what universe this is in, now we get Michael Keaton showing up as Adrian Toomes, as the Vulture, tell, tell Michael Morbius, see you soon. <laughs> and it's just like, what the fuck? And it, 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 almost, like, almost like Sony's like, huh? Sinister Six? Yeah? Spider-Man villains all coming together? But then it's like, wait, aren't we already getting the Sinister Six coming out in Spider-Man uh, No Way Home? Like, Because there's already the rumored Sinister Six for that movie. And then everyone now wants to tie this movie in with Venom because, spoilers for Venom, if you haven't gotten to see it yet, the end credit scene for Venom, Venom is 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 brought into the MCU Spider-Man Far From Home universe. Correct. Okay. Difference, though. This movie was written long before that, that Venom scene was shot. This movie was originally supposed to come out last year, and it's now coming out in 2022. This movie's been pushed back so much. That Venom scene, where, where Venom gets brought into the MCU, was a, la- yeah, a last-minute yeah. addition that Kevin Feige was mostly unaware of. <laughs> But it was a last-minute addition that was just kind of thrown out there. That's what they decided to be the end credit scene. So everyone who's like, oh, this is clearly like, you know, 
you know, it's it's the universe is all colliding and stuff as a result it's, of Doctor Strange. It's bold, risky, fun. More than likely not. It's more than likely not as as connected as all that. More than likely what they're doing is they're purposely keeping it vague so that they can utilize it in the future if this movie's successful. They can then say Morbius came into the other universe. Really, what they're doing is they're throwing Morbius a, will not be successful. Sony's throwing a lot of red herrings out there just to make tangential, um, you know, connections to other universes to keep fans like us discussing it, talking about it, and 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 bolstering the movie. And it's it's really just a cash grab. And in the end, if Morbius is successful, then then it won't. Then they will <laughs> then they will bring in that other stuff. But they run the risk of this movie not being successful, then dropping an awesome bombshell of a end credit scene like Venom did, which was a shitty fucking movie, Let There Be Carnage. And then they drop the end credit scene, which raised it up an entire letter grade. This movie has the same risk to be a shitty movie because it's about a character that no one really cared about or really asked for a movie about that doesn't mean it can't be interesting it still could be interesting and then what we wind up getting is a lackluster movie with an awesome end credit scene and sony going we don't want to use morbius again (laughs) because jared leto sucks it's not so much jared i think it's just the special effects i think special effects look fine they look fine what are you looking at i i just didn't like their choices just the way it looks choices the design of, of the a, looks. Of how Morbius looks? He looks exactly like the comic book character. He looks perfect. Honestly, I was blown away by the special effects in this. I think they're fantastic. All right. Well, it doesn't tickle my fancy. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I, I still watch this trailer, and I do see a generic origin story in my future when I go to watch True. this movie. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm seeing I'm seeing a character where I understand that there's going to be some duality to him because the entire point of the character is that he he's somewhat of a heroic character. I mean, we see him we see him in a hospital healing sick children. He's a Nobel Prize winner. Like you you want to like this guy? Yeah. This guy has has doesn't want to be bad. He's like Doctor Strange, but better, right. or nicer. But but he doesn't apparently. he doesn't want to be bad. But of course, he now has this this illness sure. that that's inside of him, he and to, he has to hunt, he has to kill, has he has to, to feed on blood. And much like Venom, he, that doesn't mean he has to do it to good people. Mm-hmm. So, what about? Um, do you think this takes place after No Way Home? Jay, I don't, I, you can't say when or where this takes place because it's not in that universe. Mm, we yeah. can't. The whole Jay, did, were you listening? or multiverse? I'm sorry, multiverse. Say, were you listening to my entire diatribe? The whole point of my diatribe is you can't pin down where this is, and Sony wants it that way, so that fan fucks like us start discussing it in this way, inflating the movie I and bolstering it before okay. it actually comes All right. out. So. All right. All right, I got you. I, I mean, you were alluding to it, but I just wasn't sure if the, the listeners were oh, no, fully no, dialed in. No, on that. I, I had an intro. I had I had explanation paragraphs, and I had a summary. And commas mixed yeah, in with it. Yeah, yeah. That, that was a full essay in verbal yeah. form. Calm the fuck down. All right. Jesus. You just weren't paying attention. Good job. So, <laughs> Well, I, I, I did get a little lost because I wasn't sure if you were talking about Venom for a second there. You're talking about Morbius. Both, but, but we have an answer for Venom now because of the we do. Po- because of the post credit scene. Sure, we do now. But the, I think the entire point is that at some point will will Morbius be part of the Spider Man movies? Maybe. It de- and you're right. It depends on the box. Will he office. cross over with Venom? Maybe. We're leaving well, just enough. Sony's leaving just enough open so that they can jump in should they need to, or they can opt out and just say, "No, nah, that was a completely different world." Because the box office wasn't what we wanted it to be. Perhaps if it's a huge bomb. Now I do think he's going to stay in, even if it's a modest, uh, slightly disappointing success. Um, he's going to still be around. I don't think he's going to be a main player. 
I think he's going to be an ensemble add-in cameo type of role well, I think going forward. Looking at what they have coming up, it, it kind of seems like that is the route that Sony wants to go. Uh, you know, Tom Holland in probably a smaller like ensemble pieces almost. Yeah, exactly. Because they want to build their own universe, and and you don't have to bank on one character, right? So Honestly, much. and at this point, you know? I'm not sure what the deal is with Marvel anymore. Last I heard, you know, No Way Home is the last is the last movie in the MCU. That's why we're doing all this multiverse fuckery, and and Spider Man can be taken out of the MCU, but he still has two more MCU appearances, which will be saved obviously for big ensemble pieces like Avengers Avengers Five. Or or and, and maybe and Tom another, Holland doesn't age, cameo. so it's fine. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> he, cer- he certainly doesn't. So you know, am I excited for this movie? Yes, but am I excited for this character? Am I excited for what this trailer shows me? Not really. I'm more excited to see what the implications are for Sony's universe moving forward. Another interesting thing about the newspaper, Jay, is if you look at all the headlines, uh, first off, the the headline was not nearly punny enough, which lets me know that J. Jonah Jameson is not the editor-in-chief of, uh, of, of the Daily Bugle because uh. there was no puns in it, and it wasn't like... You know, it wasn't like Spider-Man, murderer menace. <laughs> you know, there was no headlines like that. Mr. Jameson, please, isn't there any of these shots you can use? I really need the money. Miss Brandt? Yes. Get me a violin. But other headlines that were in there was a about a cat burglar. So Black Cat, uh, who was a character that was introduced in the Mark Webb universe. Uh, Felicia Day was, okay. was, was played by Jen Urso. Why can't I think of her name? Felicity Jones. Yeah, there we go. Played by Felicity Jones. So there's like a mention of that. There's also a mention of like a loose rhino from the zoo. You know, little <laughs> little wink wink at, at the rhino and stuff. So you know, it, it's they like putting in these little Easter eggs, these little things to kind of like make it look like they're building their universe. I don't think Sony has a fully formed functioning plan for a universe yet that that end credit scene that they threw in for venom you know for, for let there be carnage was was not a hell mary pass but it was definitely a trick play you know what i mean yeah yeah i mean they're 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 rolling the dice for yeah, sure they want you to know that they plan on doing this how they're going to go about it they're not sure and Honestly, for some reason, that makes me excited for Morbius to just be like, man, I kind of like this fly by the seat of your pants universe. However, we've seen it done before, you know, over there with Warner Brothers, and now they've dismantled their universe and are slowly trying to build many of them. I don't know what they're doing over there at Warner Brothers. I don't know what they're doing with Sony. How is it that Marvel was the only one to be like, to pioneer it and say, we're building a a, a, a universe, and then they're like, oh, we're going to do the same thing with Star Wars, doing both of them concurrently and, secutive, and, and, and successfully, yet Sony and Warner Brothers can't seem to get their multiverses off the ground. You literally, like, are you not able to get a singular vision? I think it's because they like make Feige? too many different movies. That's what I mean. But it, they Their houses are have multiple different is it because you don't have a a a puppet master overlord like feige just kind of like moving things around or like or like slightly be the partly or like feloni over at star wars i think there's just more linear focus because it's just marvel world it's just star wars world and that's you're focused on that and that's not to say that the mcu hasn't flown by the seat of its pants because if you watch everything that goes on in phase two with thor dark world and shit it was very clear they weren't sure where they were going the only thing they gave us was thanos grabbing an infinity gauntlet and saying fine i'll do it myself and it's like cool but like all the infinity gems are already in that so where'd you get that and like oh that's odin's fake one that was in it was in the odin room and it's like okay so you didn't really know where you were going that's like george lucas saying he knew the entire plot of star wars before he even made a new hope and it's like nah because then you wouldn't have had you know 
Luke slipping the tongue to his sis. <laughs> if you had had all that planned out. <laughs> so, so, you know, MCU is not infallible. Uh, but I, when I watch something like this, it just kind of reeks of Sony just being like, stay tuned. We got more coming. You know what I mean? It's just, we're going to throw a whole bunch of shit at the wall and whatever sticks, we're going to, we're going to peel that off. We're going to pop it in the next movie and anything is possible because we have the ultimate trump card of a writer's room. It's all in a multiverse. All right, Jay, that brings us to our next trailer. Boba Fett, da 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 Boba Fett, da 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 Boba Fett, da 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 Shout out to my good friend, Sean Faust. I am not a bounty hunter. I've heard otherwise. I know that you sit on the throne of your former employer. Jabba ruled with fear. I intend to rule with respect. Please, speak freely. Boba Fett, ba da 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 da. Yes, for all of us fanboys, that when we heard that the Mandalorian was coming out, we all wanted Boba Fett. We had to wait an entire, you know, till the second season to get Boba Fett. Boba Fett's here, and then we all rejoiced when they said he's going to get his own series. However, this isn't his own series, Jay. The episode uh, titles all leaked, and so did their names. And episode one is. Chapter 17, I believe. Huh. Yeah. Picking up where the Mandalorian left off with chapter 16. So That is very interesting. It is interesting, isn't it? Isn't it? So what this trailer depicts is obviously the events that Boba Fett will be going through after he has gatted Bib Fortuna and uh, put him in an early grave. But they had to dig it probably a little bit wider because that was a wider <laughs> Bib Fortuna. Hey, Fatty, I got a movie for you. A fridge too far. Clearly taking over the role of Jabba. Uh, it, it causes you to increase your caloric intake uh, and, and just, just become an all-around more rotund gangster. Uh, so he kills Bib Fortuna, takes over. Now his idea is to rebuild Jabba's empire under un, under his image, under his likeness, under his rule. But instead of ruling by fear like Jabba did by sending bounty hunters out to kill spice runners who drop their cargo at the first sight of Imperial danger... Boba Fett is willing to be a little bit more cooperative, and he invites all the essentially like a mob family, the head of the five families. They all they all come, they all meet with Jabba, and they all meet with Boba, and Boba essentially says that you know here's what you got with Jabba, here's what you're going to get with me. With Jabba, it was conflict. Here, it's cooperation. That's mm-hmm. what we're looking for. And obviously, he's going to have to go out into the world because the criminal empire, obviously, while it may be run by a throne on Tatooine, it stretches far throughout the galaxy. So to kind of pull the the, the strings closed on the stitching that is going to be his criminal empire, he's going to have to travel. He might obviously receive resistance from others who have probably carved themselves out a nice little swath of the galaxy where they got to run their own little mini crime empire. He's trying to bring them all back into the fold and bring it back to the glory that it was 
under a new regime with completely new ideals behind it. Some cool images that we get to see. Um, you know, I, I love seeing... It looks very much like Mandalorian well, yeah, world. Because it is. Because it's all the same people. Yeah. Robert Rodriguez is back to direct. Yeah. Uh, Dave Filoni is back to direct. John Favreau is back to direct. So that It's smart that they did that, too. Yeah. Keep things streamlined. And if you remember, you know, the, the episode where... Um, the, I, th- I believe it was episode six of The Mandalorian when... when uh, of season two where where Grogu was taken by the Empire by Moff Gideon and Mandalorian had to go assemble his team to to go get him back. That's the episode where we got to see Boba Fett in action. That was directed by Robert Rodriguez, that episode. So Robert Rodriguez is apparently back to to direct multiple episodes this season on uh, for, for Book of Boba Fett. Good. I mean, he's hit or miss for a director, uh, you know, in my book, but um, he's he's highly inventive. That's Absol- for sure. Absolutely. And, with and the people ty- love him. And w- with the type of Hollywood action loves we got, him. Y- you can see, like, with some of the shots, like, even when, like, he's surrounded by those maroon guards who have, like, those those shield ray, um, you know, energy weapons yep. that look very much like the shield ray that was separating Obi-Wan and Darth Maul on on Naboo in, in the Phantom Menace. They look like weapons that are made out of that same technology. He's surrounded by those guys. And there, there's like this shot where like the guy like strikes up the, the, the energy at the end of his weapon. And it does like this downward angle and shoot up. It's very like animated. It's very like in your face. It's very, and I was like, I bet you that that scene's Robert Rodriguez. It just feels like it. it's in your face. Yeah. Plus, we get similar shots as we got when Boba Fett was fighting off the stormtroopers uh, in season two. Mm-hmm. We get similar shots to him swinging that overhead, uh, you know, axe handle smash that he has. Uh, so right. that, I'm thinking that that episode is going to be directed by Robert Rodriguez. We also get some other images. Um, we, you know, we we get to see the those. Uh, those monks so you see that spider droid walking around in the front and in the front is like this red goo that's kind of hanging from a fishbowl what's in that is a brain and that brain is the brain of a monk and those monks believed in total human enlightenment through through knowledge and you having a body and you experiencing the world was a distraction so therefore they removed their brains and put them in these weird spider droids and actually that Jabba's palace is their monastery but what were a bunch of brains in spider droids going to do to stop Jabba from taking it over, dropping a giant rancor at the bottom of a pit, and then making women dance half naked while he ate frogs? <laughs> Who was going to say something? Who was going to? No one. Not me. Yeah, no, no, not me. <laughs> Could you imagine? What, like, Never. Did, did he derive sexual pleasure from, from those Twi'leks dancing around? I think so. Yeah, but like, where, where's his dick? How did they suck it? It could be in his asshole. It could be. It could be on his <laughs> finger. It could just be like that's why. That's why he loves eating yeah. those frog things. He's just like, mm-hmm. I know. Mm-hmm. Let's just say mm-hmm. masturbating. <laughs> anyway, the penis is in his mouth. Uh, <laughs> a lot of rumors, a lot of leaks coming out as well about like the story and stuff like that. Apparently, in one episode, they're going to be hunting down a rancor, uh, and some people are speculating it's going to be the same rancor that was Don't in spoil the, that was in the bad David. batch. It's not spoilers because no one knows whether it's happening or not, but. Uh, we know that in the Bad Batch this year, we got Fennec Shen in Bad Batch. She was one of the bounty hunters sent to go collect Omega. Um, and she she came across Cad Bane. There's an unreleased episode of The Clone Wars where Boba Fett went toe-to-toe with Cad Bane. Cad Bane shot Boba Fett in the head, got a dent in the helmet for it. Maybe we, so. Yeah, and, and Cad Bane returned in 
in the Bad Batch as well, complete with a new dome piece in that the whole top of his head got blown off and it had to be replaced with a metal implant to be the rest of his skull because Boba Fett blew his fucking head off. So <laughs> there's there's been a lot of talk about obviously with Filoni running this and Filoni still doing the animated stuff out there that there's going to be a whole lot of bleeding in. A lot of people, you wouldn't be wrong for thinking that because Ahsoka Tano is now a live action character who's getting her own television series who just premiered in season two of The Mandalorian. So animated fans, you may be seeing some shit that you would like to see. Let me ask you a question now. With like Obi-Wan, you know, in the horizon, do you think it's going to have the same feel, the same world feel? Absolutely not because it's taking place in a completely different time period and less involvement from Favreau and Filoni. Than you would think. All right, there you go. So that was my only question. Same thing with the Cassie and Andor. Series. I wasn't sure how much they're going to try because it's a recipe that they've mastered. Obviously, will there be like now will, they're going to incorporate similar technology? Right. I'm sure with how they make these shows using the value that correct that, that yeah yeah and uh, which volume, is supposed to be brilliant. But all yeah. but you know, I, but I think I was just curious about as far as the aesthetic, the players, the tone. Yeah, apparently some MCU scenes are just too big to be filmed in the in the in the, in the uh, the volume, I think it's what I forget called. the name of it. Yeah. yeah, but it's it's too big to be filmed in that. I know what you're talking about, though. Yeah, yeah. So a lot, so a lot of things. It does have its limitations. So expect Disney to just kind of put like an entire giant dome over the Hollywood. Disney Plus good. stuff will be in there more. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm excited for Boba Fett and Jay. I just wanted to go through the the names of the episodes that are that will be coming out. So the first episode is going to be called The Champion. The second episode is The Assassin. Third episode is The Syndicate. Fourth episode is The Battleground. Fifth, The Homeworld, which kind of has me excited. It makes me think maybe Bo-Katan might be back asking him for help in retaking Mandalore. I fully expect Pedro Pascual's Mando to show up in this at some point, being as this is technically Mandalorian Season 2.5, and all of these are numbered chapters in the Mandalorian saga. Uh, And then Episode 6, The Warlord. Episode 7, The Showdown. And Episode 8, the hunter. So here's what makes me wonder uh, about the ending of this with it being called the hunter. Cause he, with the last episode being called the hunter, cause he starts this off by essentially saying he's no longer a bounty hunter, right? That's, that's not what he is anymore, but does he ever really stop being a bounty hunter? Right? Like he, his father was a bounty hunter. He's a perfect clone of his father. He, he learned to be a bounty hunter. He spent his entire life perfecting being a bounty hunter. He became the best bounty he's still hunter. Hunting. He's right. still doing he's shit. He's still going out there and being badass, but he's not wearing the helmet anymore, which I was a little, a little surprised by Tem- Temora Morrison. It, I'm seeing a lot of his fucking face. He's taking a, a lot of it. A lot. Not happy about that. Yeah. I was just like, mm. I was surprised how much I saw that in the trailer. Yeah. yeah. Considering, like, you know, most of, <laughs> most most of my feelings on the character have always been like he never shows his face, and then I understood without his armor why I saw his face so much in like season two. But then once he got it back, we didn't really see Tamora Morrison's face all all that much, except when he was like kind of flying the ship and stuff. Uh, no, I think he was even wearing it then. So it, for for them to be like he's taking it off a lot, but maybe that's more of him playing the politician role now because he has to play two roles. He has to be. He he has to be a capable leader, but he also has to be a capable warrior as well. Because he's gonna have to yeah. he's gonna have to assure people that he is there to to help them and to run this this criminal enterprise in a fair manner. I'm but cu- he also has to show them that I'm a fucking badass, and don't you fucking forget it. And that's where I'm alluding to. I'm curious to see if that is a big player as I far as like is. the character choices when and when yeah. he takes it off. 
Because at the very end, last shot, he has the helmet on in a boardroom's type of scenario scene. But previously in the trailer, you see something similar like that where it was off. He's obviously trying to be intimidating in that scene. I know that. I know that. So I'm almost thinking that- Because that's when Fennec Shen says, if if this was Jabba's meeting, you would be dead. I'm kind of thinking that episode one is going to be like the only episode where it's like a bit more of a hybrid- and then at the very end, helmets fully, on, lock and loaded. I fully expect everything we've watched here is the first like one or two, maybe three episodes. Yeah, maybe three. Because when we saw the Mandalorian trailers for season two. It was two, always it was the, one or two. It was the first couple episodes. Yeah, that was it. So I'm fully expecting the same here. I'm fully expecting there to, to be some, some bleed-ins from the animated series and stuff like that. I'm fully uh, expecting to get a little bit more flushed out information of Fennec Shen. And then... Because th- this is my prediction, may come true, may not, I don't think Boba Fett is going to be successful in his criminal enterprise. Because he starts off this this trailer by saying he's no longer a bounty hunter and stuff like that. But the last episode is called The Hunter, which makes me think he's just like, fuck it. <laughs> my backpack's got jets and I'm Boba the Fett. So I'm going to go out there and I'm going to bounty hunt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get me some. Yeah, or he may go off and he may he may join the Mandalorian cause. I don't know. I don't know if he even. I don't even know if he recognizes himself as a Mandalorian. Yeah, but I don't know if he it, identifies as a Mando. Well, that's what I'm saying. It tees up a great character study. Yeah, well, so, and 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 it's going to be a lot of fun. So, of course, all of our contacts are listed in the description of the episode. So if you have any comments on Morbius the Living Vampire or you have any comments on Book of Boba Fett, uh, anything that we didn't touch on that you wish we did or anything that you would like to share with us, you can reach out to us there. All right, Jay, we've uh, we've, we've done this shticked long enough, man. We got to get ourselves over into into what are you watching? What are you watching? What are we watching? He's trying to watch some illegal channels. Oh, no, 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 go past this. Past this part. In fact, never play this again. All right, you're going first because I'm out of breath. <laughs> oh you, did, you did a lot of talking. I, I did a lot of talking. I, I, I agree. It's trailer park breakdowns. Uh, it's two extremely nerdy things. So, uh, yeah, I, I carried the bulk of that. So, uh, Jay. Yes, what, what's sir. What's the movie you want to review for everybody first? Well, I w- I'm going to do uh, Last Night in Soho because you weren't able to catch it, which is surprising to me because, you know, we're, we're you know, we're... Uh, I'm a big Edgar Wright fan. We're Edgar Wright fans. I and, am. and this was one of those movies that I thought was like a nice little hybrid of like, you know, a throwback to something that he kind of... Well, I, not really. It's actually kind of inspired by can his we, time in Soho. Can we um can we do just, just a brief... I'm not going to play the music or anything, but just a brief Jay's Indie Corner. I obviously know what this movie's about, but I, I just want to do one. Jay's Indie Corner. Here it is. This is the movie you want to do that for? Might right. as well. I'm doing it right now. Here sure. it is. That's it. All right. Whether I'm right or wrong, let me know. It's my fake synopsis. Soho is the name of a porn star, and this is her last night. She's retiring after this, and she's decided to break the world record for taking the most dicks in one night. <laughs> and it's going to be the story of her entire porn career, the ups, the downs, the you know, the highs, the lows. Those are also the ups and downs. I'm realizing that I'm just sputtering here. My, I, 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 I literally had porn star, and that was, that was about it. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's also going to follow some of the guys and stuff like that. You know, like, like one of the guys just answered to Craigslist post and that's why he's there it's 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 the last night in Soho you know yeah 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 
the, the turnover with the the old heads, yeah. the new heads, you know. The and she goes on, and she, and she just goes on to to to, to live her life, uh, and 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 she has after cho- the mission, after 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 the mission's completed, yeah. she does successfully take the most dicks out of anybody else. Now, does she have a dick ever again in her life of course after she, that one night? Of course she does. But the blue waffle's got to heal. Mm. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. <laughs> wow, I haven't said blue waffle since like high school. I never heard that term before, I think. Don't Google it. <laughs> Don't do oh, it. Jesus Christ. Don't do it. You'll regret it. I will not. Somebody will out there. <laughs> Somebody's going to listen. Uh, Duty, yeah. do it. <laughs> he, 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 most people already know. But anyway, that's that's my fake synopsis for, for, for last night in Soho. Okay. Uh, yeah, it was kind of half-baked, but that's okay. A little half-baked, but that, it was it was well-inspired. Look, we got like five movies to fucking review and two trailer parts. Now we're banging do. through this shit. This whole thing is this whole thing's half-baked. But last night in Soho, Edgar Wright, Anya Taylor-Joy. Yes. Hit us. Thomas McKenzie. Yes. Uh, so it follows Thomason, who's like this young... Fresh out of school, going to a fashion design school in London. She's grew up in a fucking farm. I don't know why, but I just thought of Asian design manager from like Clerks. <laughs> you know, she's, she's like engaged- a boho chic girl. In she's the engaged 60s. to an Asian design major. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever that is. I don't know. I anyway. do not know. Right. So. And, and and the person you're talking about is is the girl that that was in Jojo Rabbit. She played the Jojo Jewish girl. Rabbit. She, Leave No Trace yeah. was was how I first saw her, and she was fantastic in that. Right. Um, and she's having visions of herself as Anya Taylor Joy. N- uh, n- not really. She's has these visions. So right off the bat, you understand that she has a connection to the dead because of her. I, I it's a slight spoiler, but not really. It's it's literally introduced within the first ten minutes. So, but like a I see dead people. Type thing, or kind more, of. Well, or, or she more like sees reflections in the mirror say more like of her medium. dead mother. So she's like a medium, and like, she's kind of, sort of. Okay, it's hard to say because you know, like a medium, especially in like because it's very ass- open. She speaks about it with her her grandmother, who's her her caretaker at the time, because her mother died. But like some mediums on those stupid ghost shows, like Ghost Adventures and stuff like that, will go in to a place and they will say that they're seeing like, oh my god, it looks like you know, to me it looks like it's 1862 and this is the hustle and bustle of a saloon and a man just got gut shot over there and there's so much dark energy around yeah. here. But I would I would say that she is kind of like a medium. I would say that that's fair to say. But um. Like a the, Long Island the, the, <laughs> Listen here, hon. He, he has no right to be in your house, so you got to tell him. You pull the salt down, you put the salt down, and then you tell him, this is not your home no more. Because <laughs> No I'm the, more. Because I'm the Long Island medium, you understand? And then you're going to get out of here. Expiation. <laughs> this house is clean. All right, all right, all right. So she gets into uh, the school program where it's a typical format. You know, you got the boy who likes her. You got the girls who are, you know, giving, giving her shit. She's trying to find her way. She moves in by herself into this old creepy mansion. And this old woman rents out this top floor. And then suddenly she gets into the spell of somehow going to sleep and then dreaming about this world in Soho, London, uh, in the 60s, and kind of in a weird way being in a first person following Sandy, played by Anya Taylor-Joy, who is an up-and-coming wannabe singer in that world, and Matt Smith, who plays Jack, who's like a manager type, who's just kind of trying to find the next girl to to pimp out to the next like club bar. Draw me like one of your French girls, Jack. Yeah. (laughs) 
and then like the underbelly of that world in the nightlife back then and as far as like what girls had to do back then as far as trying to make because it because she likes unquote. the nightlife she likes to boogie sure. so it starts to unravel as far as the mystery and what happens what the you know the story is within those characters and somehow it gets a little stylish from then on, as right. far as Edgar Wright, so obviously she sees dead cuts. people. She's kind of seeing the life of you a dead person. You don't know what is like, what's going on in her head. What's real? What wasn't real? If it, was it true? So are we leading up to the murder and death of Anya Taylor Joy's character? Well, don't say it. You just spoiler. don't know. I mean, like that's yeah. the thing. I, I can't now. This is where I can't really talk too much because it dives into the heavy spoilers. Because right, there's a fine. lot of twists and turns, a lot of wonky shit going on. Synopsis is this over. This movie loses it for me. Okay. The first half is fantastic a lot of flair a lot of excitement it was well shot well acted but the story gets really bogged down with a lot of the psychological tropes of her losing her shit thomas mckenzie um with with the 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 medium aspect of it all uh what's real what's not what's happening to her she's thinking about it in person in real life now it's not so much dreaming it's not so much mirrors it's like all the fucking time and it haunts her and it gets bogged down in the middle of the movie and then the ending is i i i in in hindsight i kind of respect it a little bit more but it's it's still out there it's an out there movie and i'm not a huge fan of it It was a big disappointment for me because this was one of my top five anticipated movies of the year um but like I said, the visual aspect of it all was well shot, it's well directed, blah, 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 in some ways. Right, well acted. Not well written. And Edgar Wright, I think, dropped the ball on that a little bit. So, But either way, I'm going to give this an entertaining watch for the most part, but I think it's ultimately disappointing. A B-. minus. Okay. All right. Well, B minus actually, that's not as bad as like when you and I were talking that you made it seem out to be. I I just, all right. So the reason I chose the movies that I chose and I didn't want to see this is honestly your reaction to it when you told me like, "Eh," this is one of those movies that I was going to watch last night. And then I was like, and I like we and you were talking a little bit about it. And I mentioned that I had already watched French Dispatch Mm. and you were like, I saw one night in Soho or last night in Soho. And you were like, "Eh." and I was like, all right, well then since he saw that, I want to make sure I watch something different than you watched no so, i'm happy you did yeah. so 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 that we're talking about different movies before we do i believe it's two movies that we watched together you watched army of thieves also and you watched french dispatch correct correct okay so so then the movie that i watched that you didn't watch jay this is directed by scott cooper it is a film a horror film that takes place in a small oregon town where a middle school teacher played by carrie russell lives with her brother who is the town sheriff played by jesse plemons uh she has left the town for years and has returned sometime later to be a middle school teacher. She kind of takes a young juvenile under her wing who is often bullied. Uh, He has kind of like a mysterious home life, and she starts to unravel it only to discover the insidious, horrific plot of the movie. Uh, So I don't want to spoil the movie too much because, like again, this is kind of like a brief review. I'm not going to get into it. But what I took away from Antlers was that this is a wonderfully shot it like when i say like atmospheric horror movie this movie does like atmosphere so fucking well scott cooper has a good you remember when me and you watched the lodge and we're like fuck what an atmosphere that movie was like it's the definition of an atmosphere in a movie that's it's kind of the same way with antlers it automatically 
bumps the grade up yeah. full grade almost. Oh, it does. Without yeah. a doubt. Absolutely. And, and and it's well acted. I don't think Jesse Plemons chews up the scenery like I know he's able to do, but also he didn't have the role to do that. Kerry I was Ryan, gonna say, like what depends on what role he had. More minor, definitely supporting. Uh and but Kerry Russell is is good in it. The little kid is good in it. Hell, you haven't seen Kerry Russell in a movie in ages, I feel like. A couple years ago. The, the I don't know. Rise of Skywalker. Does that count? Yeah, of course it counts, Jay. She was paid to be in the movie. Yes, it counts. Anyway, <laughs> so so th- this movie is dripping with atmosphere. Once once the once the story, the horror behind the story starts starts getting off, the viscera, the blood, the gore, it's there. It's there. And you're intrigued, you're interested, but this has an absolute let fucking down of an ending. I was not happy with the ending. I, I, I kind of felt like by the time we got the reveal of what was going on and we get the answer, before you know it, we're, we're at the final showdown with Kerry Russell as the final girl and, and, and your creature, you know, in this creature feature facing off with her. And I was just like, and then it's over. And then it's just over. Now, one of the things that this movie does. What's the runtime? Is it a long one? Short, 99 minutes. Oh, it is. So do you think this was uh, studio doctored as no. far as editing room? No, I think I, I, I think it just it just doesn't have a whole lot. It, I'm not gonna say it doesn't have a whole lot to say because honestly, it tried to jam pack a bunch of things in here. There's there's kind of like undertones of environmentalism and strip mining and like this this dying town where where mining used to is what this town was built around, but now mining's not around anymore. You know, loss of economy. Uh, there's there there's you know. Poverty is 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 a big is a big and abuse is a is the biggest of them all as far wow. as like underlying a lot of tones yeah a, a, as far as like as far as like underlying um, metaphors that are going on here some of them aren't even metaphors Carrie Russell's character is an abused character which is why she relates to the kid that's being bullied and has a mysterious home life and stuff like that so it's th- th- there's a hmm. there there's a lot there on the surface and it and it goes deep but. Just like we talked about with Candyman, all of that goes away. It's it's there on the surface, but then it's just gone. It doesn't become integral to the plot. It doesn't it doesn't become a part of of the story. It's just more of a setting for the story, which is which is fine to an extent. But when when you make me feel like it's part of the story, like it's so integral to this story that it doesn't come full circle and. And have something to do with the main plot. You just kind of drop it, and and then you're just like, by the way, it's a creature feature. Final girl versus monster. Go. Now I'm just like, y- you kind of left me hanging a little bit. Did I enjoy Antlers? Yes. Do I recommend it? Sure. Do I recommend you see it in the theaters? Fuck no. Don't risk COVID for this shit. I'll, I'm sure I'm going to catch it one day. Right. This screams yeah. will be available on Prime <laughs> Video. Sure. Sure. Very soon. So you can definitely wait for this. And, you know, it's it's definitely that type of horror movie that you wouldn't mind watching during the winter months because it's it's got like that cold. Oh, yeah. Oregon. This is like a 9 p.m. You put it on, yeah. you know, late night watch yeah. under the covers. Absolutely. Get in your mood. You Absolutely. Know, get, go I, on the field. I can guarantee you that some people like this movie a whole lot more than, than I do. Also, you have to buy the creature. And to buy the creature, you have to buy lore and myth and legend. So hmm. it's 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 asking a little bit of you, but to be fair, the way they kind of like explain the monster, they don't they don't go too far. It's not like they get into the science of this isn't Morbius, right? We're not explaining how a living vampire exists. Sure, sure. It's just like this is what the creature is, and this is the legend that it comes from, and some bitch 
it's real. <laughs> Don't read into it too much. Don't read into it too much. Yeah. That's it. That's right up my alley. That's it. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> it just presents it. You take it as it is or you leave it and that's that. So, oh, I got to give it I got to give a score. Yeah, it's a C plus. All right. C plus for All right. Yeah. Check it out when it's on demand. It's not a terrible waste of 99 minutes. So. All right, Jay. You reviewed one, I reviewed one. One for me, one for you. Now it's time for the duo. So you and I both watch French Dispatch. We are fans of Wes Anderson. We are. We did an entire episode years ago about Wes Anderson and, sure. and, and how much how much we 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 love we, we love his movies. We love the characters he writes. We we love his dialogue. We wait. We 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 even like we just love the way his movies look. I, I, well, absolutely. I mean, there's so many enthusiasts out there. Like diehard yeah. enthusiasts out there for many different reasons. So and it's true. Let's let let's let's start breaking French dispatch down. Let's write it together. Let us take a sightseeing tour. The story begins with the great painter, Mr. Moses Rosenbaum. On three overlapping dramatic timelines, the following events came to pass. We have kidnapped your son. Ha. I don't get it. Of course you don't. Am I in trouble? Put it this way. It has exploded into symbolism. And everybody's talking about it. All right. So the French Dispatch, Wes Anderson's latest. I think his last one, Jay, was Isle of Dogs. Yeah. I think you liked that one, didn't you? I, 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 did. I actually I liked, did not see that movie. I liked that one a fair bit. But the French Dispatch stars... A whole fuck ton of people. Right. Don't even bother listening. Oh, no. no There's I'm, too many. I'm going to, because they are the reason, if you want to see this movie, to see it. Benicio Del Toro, Adrian Brody, Tilda Swinton, Francis McDermott, Timothy Chalamet, Jeffrey Wright, someone I know you love. Lea Sidhu. Matthew Almerich, uh Mathieu. Almerich, uh, he is the guy diving bell and butterfly. Yes. I will never forget his fucking You're face fuck- because yeah, you made me watch baby. that movie. You're welcome. <laughs> Stephen Park, Bill Murray, Owen Wilson, uh, and cameos by Henry fucking Winkler, my friend. Yes. <laughs> so yes. Uh, it, it, it follows the, the, I guess, the the publication, The French Dispatch, who is run by its, by its creator. Oh, and, and by the way, the bellboy from the Grand Budapest Hotel. Yes, he he is in it, and he plays. Which many people say that sometimes a lot of people do say that's their number one movie of Wes Anderson. It is. I've been hearing that a lot more lately. It's also the one that won the Academy Award, and the one that people probably have Did seen. It? The most. Okay, maybe that's. Uh, he plays the younger version of Benicio del Toro's character of Moses Rosenthaler. Uh, but anyway, uh, it, it follows Bill Murray's character, Arthur Howitzer Jr., uh, who begins this publication of French Dispatch, which all, it, it's it's a series of, of writers who take different points of view in this one French town of Ennui. And we get three different vignettes, pretty much, from three different writers uh, telling their story of their time in Ennui. Pretty four, much. Four. Sorry, it's four because uh, we get we get Owen Wilson's very brief overview of what Ennui is correct. like. Correct, <laughs> naturally, oh. which is the most comedic part of this entire movie. Everything else occurs in the dialogue. Like one of the things that actually had me laughing was the fact that Benicio del Toro. I'm sorry, that Adrian Brody's character is the son of a Mexican Jewish cattle rancher. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Why not? <laughs> it was no, but no, that, that's well. It, and also, it was, all like, joking what, it was like segments, right? It was like three or four segments. Vignettes, yeah. Vignettes, they, yeah. They hardly cross over. The only character that Slightly. ties them all together is Bill Murray's character, right. who essentially is the <laughs> Samuel Jackson for this for this Wes Anderson universe of short of short stories, short as, films, as he should. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so we, we we get a story from Owen Wilson where he gives over the breakdown of Ennui, where he's being accosted by by drunk altar boys, um, and then we get the story of of Moses Benicio del Toro uh, and Adrian Brody's character who plays the art dealer who yeah, discovers with, him and in Leah prison Sidhu. and 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 Tilda Swinton she's the writer behind that one so she's the one kind of narrating it uh, and then we move into Timothy Chalamet's. Uh, Tilda Swinton was one of my favorites. She was hilarious. Uh, Jeffrey Wright was my uh, was was my favorite. I think my favorite. So st- weird seeing him clean know, shaven though. Woo! My favorite story in this though is the Moses Rosenthaler story though, um, where he's just this crazy guy with an art dealer who's trying who's easily. Yeah, the first the first part clearly is clearly exploiting best. him and stuff like that. It's it there, it has the most it has the funniest moments. It's probably the best acted out of all of them, um, and it's probably the most fully thought out story. From all of them, it has a beginning, yeah. a middle, and an end. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, but and it's and it's wonderfully narrated by Tilda Swinton. Uh, the Jeffrey Wright one was also like okay, but then it does this weird thing where it's like, oh, here's Wes Anderson's animation just thrown in there because this is an action scene and we ain't got quite the budget for that. Which worked though. Oddly. <laughs> it does work. It yeah. does work. Um, so for me, I gotta first off say I saw this in a, on a date. Ooh. We were the only two people in the whole theater. Ooh. Hold on, literally the only two people in the whole theater. So she's a talker, unfortunately, and I hate talkers in the movies. Is she a Wes Anderson fan? Big time. Okay, good, good. Okay, because this is the most Wes Anderson movie that yeah. Wes Anderson. She liked has it more than made. I did. I think. I this mean, even is, though we had this is this is Wes Anderson and Fox Searchlight just went. Oh, you're off your altor leash. Like this is your most altor piece that you can you can ever make. And I hope someone reigns him in next time. This had four writers to it. I thought that um, I'm surprised by that too. I thought I thought that Jason Schwartz wasn't involved with it. I thought that he didn't write anything on it. Then I saw the name of the screen players, and he was one of them. And I was like, damn. I thought Jason Schwartzman was the one who reigns him in a little bit. But this is just Wes Anderson off his fucking leash, going as as artor as possible. But, but no. You're you're mis you're you're misreading it. It's story by okay. West is the only writer. Okay, so it's the story between the five of them. Whatever they all collaborated on the whole story, but he, but he has the only screenwriting credit. Okay, okay. So, but and I think it shows because they all had this great idea, and maybe he start they started writing it from the beginning. Yeah, and then it was strong. And then the idea just kind of they got, came up. They, they get all up. fucked up towards the end. It goes every. It single, goes off the rails. It does. I mean, for me, every I, single I, story I, at one point it, has a moment where you're I'm just like, like Wait, what happened? What, what's going on? And 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 it's so dialogue heavy. And like I said, the girl, she's she's a chatty one, and like, you know, I don't know. It was hard to really lock in with this movie. And sometimes, a lot of times, actually. It wasn't so much I'm missing dialogue, which of course I was from time to time, but I'm like all of a sudden it cuts and I'm like, wait, what's going on here? Yeah. What happened here? It, all the, of a sudden's color, all of a sudden's black and white, all of a sudden you're like it's it's the, really all over the place. That happened a lot during during the Moses story, Benicio del Toro story, because when he's painting it goes to color, so you see vibrancy, you see life and sure. stuff like that. And then when when it's telling the main story, the narration and stuff like that, it goes into a black and white. Uh however, that does have a great like slow motion fight scene. <laughs> 
in a Wes Anderson movie. A slow motion fight scene. Yeah. It's there. Uh, They don't really show a whole lot. You went for Burke. Yeah. But Benicio del Toro, man, he's I love a lot him. of uh, the beautiful Leia Sudu naked though, which is great. Yeah, a lot very of happy that. about that. A lot yeah. of that. Yeah, uh, but so I, I like saying that this is him like off his leash. It also has no narrative through line whatsoever, other than in the beginning, you 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 understand who Bill Murray's character is that he's the editor of this paper that he that he essentially treats everybody like shit except for the writers. He treats them like gold, uh, and then. It, it kind of tells you about what is to happen with the paper upon his death, meaning we're going to hear these three stories, then we're going to bookend it at the end with with Arthur's story, which is very short and brief and everything like that. And, and that's it. That's the only through line. Other than that, the other three stories are kind of all standalone, and I think that's to its detriment, right? Like, I I think without a full story to tell with like these these short stories it allowed them to to kind of get a little crazy with it because if you're not liking it, just wait 15 minutes and this one's going to be over and you're on to the next one. I I, I would say there's definitely moments, and I'm not saying I, it, I don't understand it, although I'm a dumb guy, maybe that's the case. I think it it drags. Like the Timothy Chalamet story was, and Francis McDermott was just fuck boring. Just hugely boring. Fucking boring. Hugely boring. Like, and then it, just, it, it was has so, such an abrupt it was so ending. flat. It has so flat, such an abrupt ending. That's one. That was the one uh, sequence where it just all of a sudden was gone, and I didn't. I didn't. I, I didn't realize I missed it. Next I missed. Thing, I missed the end. I was like, wait, wait, what happened? All of a sudden, we're in the next vignette. I'm like, what? That's they're, what's going on? They're burying a character, and oh, you're like, wait, God. what? I won't say which character they're burying, but they're burying a character. Uh, so. Let's just look. Let's just wrap this up. This is the world's most beautiful mess. Wes Anderson yeah. has has just this wonderful way of of painting a picture on the screen. You know the the way the sets are designed and the way that every single shot is is the movie's poster. Like every single shot is this movie's poster. You could take any frame yep. of this yep, yep. and put it on a poster and go, that looks gorgeous. And that's the way Wes Anderson is with all of his movies. All the acting is fantastic. You will have moments that you enjoy. However, this movie is just chaotic and not in, not in the best way at times, in, the, in a good way at other times, but not in the best way at times. And ultimately, it is it is boring. And by the time you're done, you're just like, what a fun experiment I just watched. That's about it. This belongs as some beautiful, well acted, forgettable. Uh, this is you're like not going to rewatch it. Maybe, like, maybe it, you probably will get more of more off of this movie on a rewatch. I will say that. I will say that. There's, well, that's all Wes Anderson movies. You find something new in the dialogue that's funny. You find something, um, something, something to appreciate, something new to appreciate. But ultimately, and with my you know viewing experience, you know, I don't know. I'm going to give this a C minus for me. Oh, I'm I'm about a C plus, so I'm lo- probably a little, probably a little bit higher. I really I really enjoyed Benicio del Toro and Adrian Brody. That was by far my highlight. Yeah, I yeah. I would rewatch that that 25 to 30 minute vignette. But honestly, right after that first vignette, I I it was all over the place for me, and I could not. It get was. Into it. it was. You know, when, when it comes when it comes to Wes Anderson, you know, it's yeah. It's the characters that come to life, but I don't think that we spend enough time with any of these characters to have any character development with them. Sure. That's always the point of all of his movies. His characters start in one place, and that's the point of any good story. Your character starts in one place, and they end up in another. Well, let let me just say this. But they don't do that here. So he has a movie coming out next year. 
you know, obviously don't know much about it, but the ensemble is very much like this ensemble, very, very large and star driven. Uh, it adds Tom Hanks and Margot Robbie, Scarlett Johansson, and uh, Brian Cranston. They're the only new players in the Westworld. Everybody else is all like the usual Wes Anderson well, stars. Well, no, Benicio del Toro is pretty new to it. He hasn't been in. Okay, well, well, he's not in this one, but like Adrian Brody is, Bill Murray, Adrian, yeah. you know, Tilda Swin, Jeffrey Wright. It's all, like, it's all like the usual suspects. So to boil this down, if Leah you, Schreiber, you know. Leah Schreiber was just in French I Dispatch. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I was very so, surprised to see him. Uh, but if you are someone who Asteroid City has seen it. some Wes Anderson movies and you're like, yeah, I like Royal Tenenbaums, but I pretty much hate just about everything yeah. else. This will be this will be torture for you. Middle of the barrel at best. Absolute torture for you. If you like Wes Anderson movies, this will probably be your least favorite one of the bunch. It'll be it'll probably be like there next to Bottle Rocket or something like that. Uh, I don't think anybody really really wants to I, I can't recommend this to anybody because if you're a Wes Anderson no, no, fan, no, no. I'm just like because you're going to see it regardless. You you probably already saw it. <laughs> if you're a real Wes Anderson film, you 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 saw this thing opening week. Yeah, so like that, that that's the if you're a Wes Anderson fan, then then you you'll get something out of this, but it's not going to be your favorite Wes Anderson movie. You certainly don't need to go to the theaters to see it. If you if you've only liked a few of Wes Anderson movies, skip this one. Just skip it altogether. All right, Jay, that brings us to our final review. Cuz now it's time for you and I to get into the prequel for Army of the Dead, Army of Thieves. Ludwig Dieter. We've been watching you. And we want to recruit you. You're familiar with the outbreak in America. I don't want to turn people into flesh eating monsters. Yes, I heard something about it. The world's distracted. This window of opportunity isn't just our only chance, it's yours. My only chance for what? A life less ordinary. Guns, we have guns. This is about becoming legends. Any questions? No. Yes, many. Hundreds. Son of a bitch. This movie that I didn't want. That is a prequel to a movie that I didn't like is my favorite movie that I'm reviewing this week. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, Army of Thieves is following Ludwig Dieter, uh, if that even is his real name, uh, <laughs> as he uh, is brought into the crew of international safe heist, bank heist thieves. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, first off, I didn't know that. Matthias Schweigenhofer was going to be like my favorite part of this movie. I kind of found him a little annoying in, in army of the dead. Yeah. I think they relied on his comedy a little bit too much here in this ensemble, even though the other one was an ensemble too. I like this ensemble better. I like this heist. I like these, some, I I like these characters. I can't believe it works. I can't believe it works. Yeah. Him, him and Nathalie Emmanuel are just together. They are just, fucking fire they're they're fire and i think the whole ensemble was really well done also i wonder how how matthias schwagenhofer actually directed this movie because he was in just about every scene and that is not a bad thing he was actually funny charming you know he he 
towed the line between brilliance and nerdy and like annoying, but also still being funny that I was not expecting. So I agree. He essentially uh, Ludwig Dieter is essentially a mild mannered bank tendant. Uh, I, I believe I believe he works at a bank and he also has an obsession. He has an obsession with locks and with safes. And he does a YouTube channel where he discusses uh, myths, lores and legends about safes and locks. Uh, he also times himself on unlocking uh, safe locks in like he, he is, is amazing at it. And he receives, uh, someone sees one of his videos, only his videos, even though he has multi, many of them, only has one view, and he is invited to a safe cracking contest. <laughs> An underground safe cracking contest, which is essentially like your business card. If you win this contest, international bank, hi- bank thieves are going to want seek you, you out. Yeah. They're going to seek you out. So he winds up winning this contest, and that is exactly how he falls in uh, with Gwendolyn Starr, played by Mathalie Emanuel, uh, Ruby O'Fee, who plays Karina, Stuart Martin, who plays Brad Cage, who has one of my favorite origins. Oh my God, of any so of the funny. <laughs> and Guz Khan as Rolf. <laughs> uh, so he gets into these international, international thieves, and they're going after three legendary safes that are supposedly nigh uncrackable. You cannot crack them, sir. They are locked by the Kraken. That's all ridiculous. That's dumb. Cut that out, Dave. Leave it in. Sometimes you sound like an idiot, and you should know that. So, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so it, he essentially to challenge himself and to be part of the gang, he goes along with them to be their new safe cracker, and they are going to go to three European cities in three days to crack three safes, and they are being chased by none other than Interpol themselves, but more importantly. The agent Delcroix, uh, who has an axe to grind with these international bank thieves. And all that is going on while a looming zombie apocalypse is imminent as the United States has already had its first outbreaks in Las Vegas. So are there zombies in this movie? Sure. They're on the TV. They're in dream sequences. But it is a looming threat. Yeah, it definitely is. So... Uh, it, it does bring it full circle to Army of the Dead. And it also drops some hints and teases about Ludwig Dieter's fate at the end of Army of the Dead. Because if you remember, he locked himself in a safe. We're really not quite sure what happens to him after that. But also, the person who built these legendary saves locked himself into a safe as well. Mm-hmm. So it kind of gives us an idea of... And I don't know whether that's foreshadowing about Ludwig Dieter's fate or whether it is kind of like they, they will come back to that story and finish it later well, in, in the Army fun- of the Dead 2, which is something that's happening. So Is it? Okay, because I didn't see anything on his filmography. But either way, this was one of the most surprising films of all time. I think when you and I saw this trailer, we were like, all right, this is going to be like... The fact that they even gave it to this guy to even do? Because even his directing credits are like... Nothing. Pretty a, much nothing. A bunch of German short films, mostly. I'm like, how yeah. did this happen? I know. How? I don't know. But how, but it works, but it's so fucking good. How did he pull it's off? so good. First off, one of the best heist. So enjoyable. One of the best heist movies that I've ever seen. It's it's not as good as like an Ocean's Eleven, but you yeah, but lo- you love the cast. You, you love them cutting it up together. The the action is good. The suspense is good. You know, the the plans simple, are great. It's 
it's well choreographed. It's well put together and shot. Like I'm impressed with his directing. And it breaks the fourth wall like just enough. Like one of my favorite things is like is like hey, you you know when you see a heist movie, like they're talking to Ludwig, explaining to him. You know when you see a heist movie (laughs) and they explain how the plan goes off and then everything goes off without a hitch, and then of course in a heist movie. Nothing goes the way it is according to plan, and everyone yeah. has to ad lib. Yeah. This is not that bank heist. We are going to go in there, and everything is going to go according to plan. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and then he even, but not even just that. Right beforehand, for they never even brought it up or anything like that. He had those like hair crimp things. Yeah, like, that's trying how he to stops his, his hair from being curly. Yeah, yeah. And, and he's and just, and, it and just oh my god, it's but, so fucking. But by cute. the end, he's just like he thinks that they're telling the story about how they're going to go about this bank heist, and he goes, "Okay, when do we leave? We already did. We are, you already have the money. It's in your hand." He goes, "Oh my god!" <laughs> he's just very happy, and I was like, "Wow, that is like." It's 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 a refreshing take on the heist genre. It's it's obviously It makes me think that like this guy is like one of those genius nerds that has a lot of talent and ability, just never was given the keys to the kingdom. Okay, so it is So we might see a lot of good stuff in the future with this guy. So it's not written by him. It is written by Shay Hatton. Um, and they were also the writer of Army of the Dead and a writer on John Wick as well. So Okay, well I give him a lot of credit, but still I think it's the actors and the directing that really it's good. Melded it together yeah. to make it work. I, I can't believe how much... Because this could have easily not worked. I can't believe how much fun I had watching this movie. I was dreading this movie. I did not want to watch this. It's And I'm not to say that it's a perfect movie. And it's still a long movie. It's, 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 it's a good two hours. It's a little long. And there's obviously plot points that I think you're just left to take like some logical leaps. And also there is the entire LaCroix thing, which is like he is he's the he's the guy who's chasing them and stuff like that. He has an axe to grind with them. It's 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 not well done for for this movie that has treated it as a heist movie. That's kind of like a meta heist movie. It has a very generic type of. Oh, wee oui, wee, oui, I hate you because you shot me in the butt. I chase you now. It has this very, like, very generic type of antagonist just chasing them and stuff like that. I, and I was just like, I kind of wish, like, they gave a little bit more to LaCroix. Made him, uh, like, in a way as eccentric as them. And it's very clear that they attempted to because while all the rest of Interpol is, is waiting for the zombie apocalypse just to sweep across Europe yeah. and they're all putting their plans into that, he is doggedly looking for this this bank heist crew mm-hmm. and obviously everyone's like oh that's a little crazy but, but that's about as but, crazy as the guy but it's gets. also not really thoroughly explained like why like why does no. he care this much also He's, also they they mentioned that they lost their safe cracker before but they don't i don't think they really get into the heart of that enough and and you know it, it, they're picking up Ludwig because they need a new safe cracker to complete these these missions, but they, these these heists. But they don't they they do explain that the other one got pinched. But I, I thought that they were going to go into that a little bit more. I thought that 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 we would have not that that person would have been a character, but that Lacroix would have had some information on them that he didn't that they didn't know that he had. But that none of that ever really came to fruition. It was just like we just had to write the reason why they didn't have a safe cracker into the script so that we can explain why Ludwig is being brought in to this mm. crew who was already very familiar with each other. Sure, 
Sure. So those are kind of like my my plot not not my plot holes, but kind of like my downfalls in like this screenplay and stuff like that. Where everything else is refreshing and fun, even the action, which while it's seldom, there's not a whole lot of action, but when it's there, it's good and it's fun. It's effective. Yeah. It's effective. Exactly. So yeah, I, I I you know I'm I'm giving this a B plus, a solid B plus. It was hi- highly enjoyable. Like you're right. Like there's some live, there's some writing elements that really miss the ball. Um. But this was a really big surprise for me, and I'm probably gonna, you know, I, I'm not, I'm shocked to even say this, but I might even rewatch this. Oh, in it's, like it's a month fun. Or something it's, like that. Yeah. it's a fun movie. You me just and, throw it on. Me and Lauren had had a day off together um, this week, and I put it on like just on our day off. It was just kind of like I need something to put on in the morning. We're we're going to lunch together in the afternoon, so let's just put this on. And I was like, it'll be it, if anything, it's content for me to talk about something on the show. Yep. And then it started, and I was like, all right, I'm into it. I'm into it. And I really got into it. So, Jay, I'm also at a B plus. I'm sorry. I know you hate when we have the same score. But I am also at a B plus. I found very few problems with this movie. Um, Honestly, I think the tacked-on ending that ties it to Army of the Dead was a bit to its detriment. Because, you know, I... It's only bit, well, I don't know how much time between the zombie apocalypse starting and when they go into Las Vegas and Army of the Dead it is. I know it's been some time because obviously it's dilapidated. It's falling apart and stuff like that. So it mm. has been years. But Ludwig Dieter is now in America and he's running a locksmith thing. And they just happen to bring him the plans for a safe that happens to be the fourth one made by this same guy. That's yeah. also uncrackable. But then I started thinking about Army of the Dead and I was like, that safe didn't look a damn thing like any of these other safes. Like the... One no, of the fun things about it no, was that each of these safes told a story. Yeah. Like each one of them was was a part of Norse mythology. And beautiful and just yeah. really poignant and really well done. Yeah. I don't know. There's there, there, It was something very graceful about it all. Yeah. There's carvings on it and stuff like that. I loved I loved watching him work on the safes and stuff like that. I loved the ritual, the cracking of the knuckles, the hands go out, the yeah. flicking of the hands, and it's how just warming all, up my it, instruments. It's all just feel and sound. It's good. You know, it's just it's amazing. It's, it's really phenomenal. But yeah, I, I just felt like towards the end it was like we're just gonna tack all these things on uh to, to tie it into Army of the Dead. And it's like I didn't need that. I understand that this is the character who is in Army of the Dead. I understand that there's a zombie apocalypse going on in 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 Las Vegas, all you had to do was have him buying a plane ticket to Las Vegas or to America, and I—that's it. Leave it at that. I know. Bringing know. Dave Batista and the other characters in and ex- tighten up the runtime, all that stuff. Yeah, you know, it just added a little bit too much. It was just—it was just—you know. Look, I look forward to seeing this character again well, if we can. And let's not get too much into it because it might be spoiling. Yeah, but but I look forward to, to to seeing this character again if we if we get to see him. Um, it oddly makes me a little bit more excited for an Army of the Dead too because I think like if this character returns in that, sure. it adds a level oh, to him. He will, and he also certainly will. Also, the fact that like. You can actually carry a movie. They on. wouldn't do this movie if he was not going to be. But in the but third. now I know you can actually carry an Army of the Dead too on this character. If he's Which there, they very well may, may do, or or have a rat attack with another character. Exactly. You know, who, who knows? Yeah. Anyway. That's going to do it for uh, Super Movie Bros. Maybe Jason Statham. Week. <laughs> so a uh, lot of reviews, a lot of lot of lot of trailer park breakdowns, a lot of me talking. My mouth is dry. It's super dry. Uh, but anything we said on this podcast, like we said at the end of Trailer Park, that you would like to reach out to us, you there's anything you want to add, all the links uh, to our social medias and where you can reach us are in the description. Uh, also, feel free to leave us a voicemail. There is our uh, 
hotline there is our hotline there in in our in the description as well so you can give us a call you can leave us a voicemail you can chew us out you can add something to our discussion or you can leave us a movie fact which we will discuss we love it please do it the show and then of course uh rate and review us wherever you listen to us five stars write a review read it on the show all that good stuff i want to thank all you guys for listening have a great one cheers cheers, cheers.